This morning, um, I have the privilege of introducing our speaker uh, to you this, today, whose name is uh, Dr. Daniel Henderson. And um, uh, Daniel is the president and the founder of an organization called Strategic Renewal, whose uh, mission is to take the message of, um, of word-saturated, revival-oriented prayer into the lifeblood of the church in the United States. Um, Daniel's been the pastor of a number of churches, some very large churches, both in California and in Minnesota. He's the author of a number of uh, books that are out on the table. He'll talk more about that in a moment. I met Daniel a number of years ago uh, because of a prayer movement that began in the city of Holland, Michigan, where I was pastoring as pastors began gathering to pray and to seek God's face for revival and renewal. And God began to do a really amazing work in our community And in conjunction with another organization, we had uh, these pastors get away for a three-day prayer summit, and uh, Daniel was the facilitator of that prayer summit. And when the idea first came across um, my desk to get away with pastors for three days and just pray, I thought, oh my word, what's that going to be like? And um, in the course of that that three-day prayer summit with our wives and all those other pastors, God met us, and that began a really important journey in my life to really understand not only the importance of the word, but also the importance of the word and prayer, and then to bring back into the congregation in which I served a model of prayer that was both vibrant, alive, Christ-centered, word-driven, spirit-empowered, and it began to revolutionize my own prayer life and um, the uh, prayer life of our congregation. I think it's safe to say that in my own life, Nearly everything that I know about leading prayer meetings, everything I know about word and prayer in the context of a local church, everything I know about using the word as the basis for prayer, I learned from Daniel. And, uh, you know, my life is marked, probably yours as well, by people that God brings into your life at particular seasons. And my life is marked by about five different men. And one of those men is, uh, is Daniel Henderson. And so when I thought about how we could launch uh, 2011 and our prayer week, I wanted Daniel to be able to come and to challenge us of the importance of creative praying. The idea being that we would want you this week to engage in some kind of prayer meeting, whether it's in your small group with your family or one of our prayer events, and just to be able to ask yourself this question. What is it about my prayer life that's boring, dry, and just, frankly, a bit of a drudgery? And how could I somehow, by God's grace, make that prayer life unique, vibrant, and fresh? And that's what the focal point is this morning as uh, Daniel comes to share the word with us. The title of his message is Wake Up and Pray. So Daniel, God bless you, man. Great to have you here. And uh, look forward to bringing the word today. Uh, I am thrilled to be here today with Mark. Uh, there's not a pastor in America that I love more than I love this man. And I know you feel that way because he's your pastor. Uh, but uh, I am so excited about his life, his family, uh, his ministry here in the future of this church. Uh, and just delighted that I could partner with him in the context of this very important day, the dawn of a brand new year. This morning I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to what might be a surprising passage to you for a prayer sermon And that is Genesis chapter 1. Hopefully you can find it. Uh, If not, the book of index will show you where it is. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You're going to say, I thought this was a prayer day, not a creation day. But the reality is, uh, this is the foundation of all of life. Certainly gives us some truth about the foundation of prayer. And we will unpack that in just a few minutes as we uh, dig into that text. In honor of God and His Word, I think this is probably your tradition as well. Would you stand with me and I'll read aloud? You can follow along, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let's pray. Lord, now may the light of your word, the light of your spirit, illumine our hearts to walk in the light of your presence so that we truly, in a supernatural sense, and as you have described in your word, be the light of the world. And we pray this because of Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want to talk with you by way of introduction about our dilemma of prayerless living and sleepy praying. Now, a little survey. How many of you would say, you know, in 2010, I prayed too much, I overdid it, I need to cut back this year? Anybody? That's what I thought. Unanimous. You love unanimous votes, right? Uh, a unanimous non-vote, I guess, in that case. None of us has graduated from the school of prayer. There's always room to grow. As I often say, I know Mark reiterates, prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. And I get that. In spite of Mark's nice words about what I've taught him and what we've learned together, I'm not a natural prayer guy. I'm fiercely independent by nature. I could be stranded on a desert island for a week and never realize I'm the only one there. I'd be having so much fun collecting coconuts, building huts, looking for natives, catching fish, you know. I'd finally, about a week later, say, I should call my wife, you know, uh, check in with people. Where is everyone? And so for me to talk to you about prayer is really a tribute to the grace of God, and it's almost laughable. If I can learn to pray, anybody can learn to pray. Because my natural mode is to get up every day, say, Lord, thanks for all that the Lord did on the cross. Thanks for the gift of your spirit, your word. But today, I think I'm okay on autopilot. Anybody honestly ever do that? Yeah, the rest of you are liars. We'll preach on that next week. But we know we do that. And we really are declaring our independence from God. Prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. Prayer is our partnership with God in transforming history. And prayer is that privilege of abiding in him, and yet we need to continue to grow. Now, let's also take one step further into this reality and admit that even when we do pray, sometimes it can be a sleepy experience. I have fallen asleep in my share of prayer times. Any of you ever fallen asleep in prayer? Yeah, some of you are asleep right now. You don't know what I asked, but that's okay. <laughs> we do that. Uh, my, my supplication siestas started when I was young. I also had a major drug problem. My parents drugged me to the old-fashioned Wednesday night prayer meeting every week of my life. And, uh, you know, I, back then I thought that uh, Sweet Hour Prayer was just a Christian version of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Man, it sounded just as dull and seemed to go on just as long. I happen to love this song now, but after a long day on the playground, it was out like a light for me. My most embarrassing prayer nap actually happened in college. I traveled for Liberty University where I teach part-time as well. We base our ministry near there. And we were traveling night after night to churches. We'd been out one day on the beach. We were sun-soaked and tired, but we had to do our concert. So we sang our songs. And then up on the platform, we all sat down while our team leader came up and gave his devotional and his clothes. And he said, let's pray. And I did. Next thing I knew, I woke up and the, the team was finishing its last line of the closing song, minus one tenor. Throughout the whole song, I was up there with my head in my lap, out like a light, gone. And uh, I, I know what that's like. I, I lead multiple prayer meetings still. It's a joy, uh, you know, every week of my life. And I've declared war on sleepy prayer times. I've been in prayer meetings where people have snored, snorted. You know, you wake yourself up. I did that on the plane last night. Um, 
I've watched a guy in a, early, a Monday morning prayer time drool on himself. Literally, I, it just came right out of his, his mouth onto his lapel. And in one of our prayer summits, I actually watched a guy fall out of his chair and he was not slain in the spirit. All right. Now, I guess my only comfort in that is in knowing that even the Bible's pretty honest about this. Jesus, three main men had the same problem multiple times, by the way. One day he said, hey, let's go up and pray. They went up to a mountain to pray. The light show started, the transfiguration, we call it, occurred, and the, one of the accounts says, and they woke up. Well, that doesn't take a rocket scientist. They had fallen asleep during the prayer time in Jesus' presence. How embarrassing. And you'd think that would shake them into, you know, a little bit more of a, a energetic, disciplined approach. But when he needed them most, he, he took them into the garden with him. He says, you stay here and pray. I'm going in a little further. He's in there pouring his heart out, not my will, but thine, uh, sweating like great drops of blood. He comes back an hour later and they're out. He says, dudes, that's the original Greek. Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. The spirit is what? Willing, but the flesh is weak. We get that, don't we? In fact, the account says two more times he came back and checked on them. They were still sleeping. So they got three hours of sleep. Jesus prayed. And not much has changed. We struggle, don't we? Did you know today as we talk about waking up and praying that the Bible actually commands us to stay engaged and pray? And I want us to look at that in just a moment. But the, the essence of this message is this, that God is not the author of boredom, especially when we are conversing with him. Would you say that with me? Let's repeat that together. God is not the author of boredom, especially when we are conversing with him. And yet so many of us have fallen into a traditional, dull, low expectation approach to prayer. And I don't know about you, but I want that to change. And I know you do too. Paul commands us in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, and you see several of these verses here. Uh, he says this, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. The word alert literally means to be watchful or wakeful. Paul commands us to stay awake and pray. Eugene Peterson translates that word with your eyes wide open. So both individually and collectively stay engaged. At the end of that great spiritual warfare passage, I'm sorry, I'll figure this out by the third hour. Uh, he says in Ephesians 6.18, Now praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Same word again. Being watchful, being wakeful, staying engaged, staying alert. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, we see the same, uh, the same idea from Peter. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The message is clear. Prayer is not boring. Stay awake. Pray. Be engaged. Let the fullness of God's design for creativity in prayer be your experience on a daily basis. So today I want us to discover a new beginning by going back to the beginning. It's a brand new year for Sunday of the year, Genesis 1. You say, why? Well, because learning to pray isn't a matter of technique. It's not a matter of some methodology. It's a matter of a continued fresh discovery of the character of God and his ways through which we learn to pray and out of which we respond. Well, where better to look than the beginning chapter of the Bible, the first few verses of the dawn of creation? And I want you to see several things that will help us to pray. First of all, 
I want you to see that we can wake up and pray, and we're going to see five basic reasons very briefly. We can wake up and pray because, first of all, we always pray to a creative God. We always pray to a creative God. A.W. Tozer says it this way, the most important thing about a person is not that they're a Colts fan. I know some of you thought that was the completion of that sentence, but uh, it is what comes to mind when they think about God. That's the most important thing about you. So the question is, what do you think about when you go to prayer? Jesus made it very clear our prayer, the foundation of it, are great thoughts about God. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. There is no one like you. And you may think of a lot of his attributes that are all rich and powerful, but one that I would suggest with all the passion I have is that he is creative. He is a creative God. In the beginning, Elohim, creative glory and power in Godhead fullness. That's the idea of that name, Genesis 1. Elohim did what? He created his first act in human history, the first revelation of his character as he is a creative God. I've had the joy as a pastor because of my missions passion of being in about 44 countries. And uh, some of those were airports, but, you know, you count those. Uh, and you travel like that. I was in China in December. And the Great Wall and all the nuances of the culture. I ate some fried scorpions, fried seahorse. Mark will go sometime. We'll try the tarantula next time, all right? But anyway, God is creative. You see his creativity, his beauty everywhere you go. I'm a native of New Mexico. Hardly the prized jewel of the U.S., but even there, God's creativity. The Rocky Mountains cutting through the state. The deserts and, and the highlands and the White Sands Missile Range, Carlsbad Caverns. Even our state bird is God's creativity. You may know it. I'll give you a hint. Me, me. That's not a bird. It's a lizard with feathers, actually. But it's, it's our bird, our, the roadrunner. All of that speaks of God's creativity. In fact, a little exercise. Just look around for a moment at a couple of people around you. Just check out their eyes, their face, their teeth, their hair if they have any. Um, Whatever it is, all right? A little exercise. Now, how many of you observed, except for Mark's twins, but even you aren't alike, all right? So I I know you think you got me. But how many of you observed no one in here looks exactly like me, right? That's right. Why? Because there are no reruns with God. Everything God does is fresh and reflects his character of creativity. See, today when we pray, we need to realize we pray to creative God. Look at what Isaiah 40 says. The everlasting God, the Lord, the what? The creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. I want to tell you, God just didn't start the world and walk off like winding a clock and ignoring it. He is actively engaged in our lives in the fullness of his role and character as creator. And when we pray, that is our expectation as to what it ought to be like. Secondly, we should pray from the creative word, back to Genesis. In verse 3, the Bible says, And God said, let there be light. God spoke the world into existence. God said, God said, God said. God's word is always a creative force. And today he's not saying new truth. We just have a composite of truth, 66 pages or 66 books in the composite of the scripture that again are about the power of his word to bring forth life and insight and wisdom. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by what? By the word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are visible. Now, I don't always have a Bible open every time I pray. This morning I woke up uh, in the hotel room at 5.30. 
Actually, my first question was, where am I? Uh, that happens a lot when you travel. But after that, I should have said, good morning, Lord. But I said, good Lord, it's morning. And uh, I didn't take my Bible into the shower. Would have made for a very soggy sermon. But, uh, you know, I just tried to wake up, get reacquainted with the Lord. And today we're going to go to lunch with Mark. We won't break out the Vogue Up family Bible. We'll just say, rub it up, dub thanks for the grub. You know, yay, God. Uh, when Peter was sinking in the waves, Jesus didn't say, no, thou Peter. must quote us from the Hebrews textus. Uh, Peter just said, no, help me, right? And save me. And the Lord did. The Lord loves the discharge of our hearts. But I would tell you, friends, in the normal course of prayer, the best way to talk to God is from his own word. Because it brings forth insight that you would never have on your own. Truths that you would not think of in your own human intelligence that fuel your communion with him. And it's vital. Mark mentioned this three-day prayer summit where God caused our paths to cross and has been a joy ever since. I've had the, the privilege of leading probably 50 or 60 of these multiple-day prayer summits. I remember the first one I ever led, one of my elders said, what in the world am I going to talk to God about for three and a half days? At the end of that summit, he gave a testimony at church Sunday night, tears running down his face, very well-educated, sophisticated surgeon. He said, I was asking the wrong question. The right question is, what was God going to talk to me about for three and a half days? Because when you have your Bible open, you never run out of prayer material. And God has used the Word of God to transform uh, all of our lives. But I have seen it before my very eyes, thousands of lives as they pray out of the Scripture. The great George Mueller said it this way, For years I tried praying without starting in the Bible, and my mind wondered. You ever had that experience? Sure you have. But he said, when I started in the book and turned to the book into, in, turned the book into prayer as I read, for 40 years I was able to stay focused and powerful in my prayer life. You see, friends, without the Bible, our prayers will be short, sweet, shallow, superficial, and selfish. John Piper says it this way, I have seen that those whose prayers are most saturated in the Scripture are generally most fervent and most effective in prayer. And where the mind isn't brimming with the Bible, the heart is generally not brimming with prayer. Eugene Peterson says it this way, we restore prayer to its context in God's word. Prayer is not something we think up to get God's attention or enlist his favor, but prayer is answering speech. Because the first word everywhere and always is not our word to God, but God's word to us. What a powerful thing it is to pray from God's word. Hebrews says the word of God is what? Living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, as as a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word ignites our prayers. Uh, In the book Praising, I have 26 stories about how this happens uh, and a lot more stories in my own journey. But one of them that comes to mind is a verse that Mark mentioned earlier from Second Corinthians chapter 1. We were with about 120 people at a prayer summit, and uh, we had been there for a day or two, and someone read this passage, that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And I thought, you know, that's that can pray right there. So I said, let's pray that. What are those promises? Let's just let those promises wash over our hearts and through our minds. And after each person prays a promise, I want all the men to say yes and all the women to say amen. Not rocket science right there in the text, right? So we started and all these wonderful promises. He who began a good work in you will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. The men shouted yes and the women said amen. 
He who's, um, he who called you is faithful, who also will do it. Yes, amen. This went on for 10, 15 minutes. And I had my head down, and one of the pastors who was with us elbowed me. said, Daniel, you got to look at this. I looked up. They're all doing the wave in Minnesota. They're pretty conservative up there. All the men, yes. All the women, amen. Another promise, yes. Amen. Well, only God's word can ignite that kind of excitement, right? An application, and yet a life-changing experience. We must pray by His creative Word. Thirdly, we can pray by His creative Spirit. Again, going back to Genesis, chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 2, rather. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Literally, the idea softly brooding, fertilizing over this amorphous abyss. And uh, when God spoke, the Spirit moved, and creation burst forth. I don't know about you, but many times my heart and my prayer times are kind of like an empty, formless, chaotic water that needs the power of the Spirit of God to come and to breathe life into my heart. Jesus taught so much about the Holy Spirit. He said that those who are led by the Spirit are really children of God, and truly that ought to be the reality of our praying. Reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, a wonderful passage that speaks to us about the role of the Spirit. And read, read this as I read aloud. Paul says, as it's written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it even entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his, what? Spirit. Goes on to say, the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. But now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. And don't you love this last line? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We know that the Spirit of God is our prayer tutor. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, we don't know how to pray as we should. But God's given us His Spirit to teach us how to pray. Sometimes with, with groanings too deep even for our own words so that prayer might lead us to the will of God. If I wanted you to learn something and I had unlimited resources, I would hire a tutor, wouldn't I? Like the uh, football player in the movie The Blind Side. Dropout. But they hired a tutor. He became an ace student. You know, God wants to do that for you in prayer and He's given you a tutor. And the good news, the tutor lives within you and He's 24-7. And he knows the deep things of God. He knows the wisdom of God. He wants you to know the mind of God. And he will teach you as you pray. And he uses the word to make it so. Fourthly, we can pray then in a creative way. Again, going back to Genesis. The first 26 verses or so are all the story of creation and God's rest. But then he says in verse 26 in his triunity, Let us make man in our image. That he may have dominion over all of this. And so it says that he made him in the image of God, male and female. Now, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? There are a lot of implications, but one that's obvious from the context, God made us to be creative. You're saying, Henderson, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Who said anything about bones, right? It's not about your create, it's about the creative spirit who lives in you. It's about the creative word that's available to you. It's about the fact that you pray to creative God. And it's about the fact that He made you to be creative. Look at Adam's first assignment. One of his first assignments was to what? Name? How many of the animals? All. How many is that? A lot. That's right. That, I don't know how many. How unique were they? Well, you've seen some of the National Geographic shows. There's a whole lot of creativity out there in what God has made. He said, Adam, I have so much confidence in you, you're going to name him. Can you imagine that? 
Wouldn't that be a great Disney film? Adam names the animals. These close-ups of his face. You saying keep walking up. Come on, Adam, spit it out. You know, any consonant, any vowel, any sound, just make it up. Hippopotamus, rhinoceros, hardvark, orangutan. I know it wasn't English, but, you know, just going on. I don't know how long this lasts. There are a lot of animals to name. I don't know about you. I think the, the dinosaurs might have been part of that action. I think they died in the flood. Can you imagine that? Supercalifragilisticexpialsaurus. You know, just keep trying to name this stuff. After a few days, I'm guessing he's tired. You know, he's down to dog, cat, you know. Something, something buzzes by, fly. That's all I can think of, you know. And, and yet, think of the creativity God has put in you, friends. Bring that to your prayer life because it's in you. We pray to a creative God from his creative word, by his creative spirit. We can pray in a creative way. One of my favorite stories before our final point was a men's prayer summit in California. Over 200 men, this is hard to believe, took time off work, vacation time, to go up to a mountain, uh, sleep in crummy beds, eat lousy food at a camp, and do nothing but pray. Now, that's revival, isn't it? No TV, no football, no anything, just God. And at these summits, we're in concentric circles so we can hear. Everyone participates. And that first Thursday night as we began, it would last until Sunday afternoon. Men began to read scripture spontaneously. And after about an hour, a theme began to emerge. A guy over on one side of the room said something about shouting to God from the Psalms. Another guy over here read another verse right on the heels of his that said something about shouting to the Lord. I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, can we please change the subject quickly here? I don't know what to do with this one. But another man read a verse about shouting to God. And then a guy read from Psalm 66, say to God, how awesome are your works. I thought, oh, that's good. But then another man read a verse about shouting to the Lord. I'm sitting there thinking, I didn't know there were that many in there. Now these guys are reading them all. And then some dude sealed the deal. Guess what song he started singing? Shout to the Lord. And I am saying, Lord, help me. What do I do with this? But it came to me. So I said, men, we're obviously on a theme here. And I think the Holy Spirit has set that theme from the word. So we're going to go with it. Now, I've seen you shout about other things. But we're going to shout to the Lord. And as I remember from my study, it's, a, it's an expression of, of exaltation and joy in the accomplishments of God. So we're going to sing that chorus one more time. And when we finish, if you feel led, stand up where you are. Don't whisper it. Don't say it. But with all that is in you, finish this sentence. I shout to you, O God, because. And then borrowing from another text that was just read, all of us will say collectively, how awesome are your works, O God. So we started. We sang the song, and uh, there was about a 30-minute silence. Guys were trying to get their courage up, I guess. And finally, standing up behind me was one of our staff pastors, an older gentleman, very shy normally. I could almost hear his knees knocking. He stands up, and I won't blow the mic out, but at the top of his lungs, he said, I shout to you, O God, because you have put a new love in my heart for my wife. 200 men. How awesome are your works, oh God! Man, the building was shaking. I thought, what have we done? Another guy stands up. I shout to you, oh God, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 200 men. How awesome are your works, oh God! Another guy stands up. He doesn't know whether he should laugh or cry. He's so confused. Tears coming down his face. He says, I shout to you, oh God, because you have brought my teenage daughter back to Christ. 200 men, how awesome are your works, oh God, you know, this goes on for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, guys are doing this, high fives, you know, look like a Baptist Toronto blessing, you know, laughing, and it was crazy, 
my elders were going like this, and I was too. Nobody planned this. But he kept going. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Guys are losing their voices. Finally, at 45 minutes, I'd never seen anything like this. I mean, God just wanted to release some joy that was in us, you know. One guy stands up and he says, I shout to you, God, because this is more fun than a Sacramento Kings game. <laughs> 200 guys, how awesome are your works, oh God? At which point we totally lost it. And I said, dude, that's it. I'm out of voice. And we can't top that. We'll see you tomorrow. But honestly, friends, for two more days, God's word just kept prompting our praying. God's spirit ignited our hearts and the fullness of the creativity that has designed us to live and to enjoy came to fruition. But what's the end game? Well, ultimately, this final point. We will pray for a creative Christ. When we wake up and pray, we will pray for a creative Christ. Colossians chapter 1 frames it so well. For by him... All things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And don't you love this? All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So why do we want to wake up and pray? For the glory of Jesus Christ. I love uh, Revelation chapter 5. You talk about a creative prayer meeting. Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures. Now that's creative. You've studied those guys before? The living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. John goes on to say, I heard every creature in heaven and earth crying out to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow. That's what it ought to look like. But it all ends for Christ, doesn't it? Why, why does your pastor want to have a week of prayer? Why does the leadership feel like we ought to be a praying church so we can uh, get written up in some article? So we can just alleviate our guilt? No. Because when we pray, we set the stage for Christ to do what only Christ can do for the glory of His name. And in every church like yours where God's doing great things, there's always that danger, isn't there? Good things are happening. Building programs, extraordinary offerings, gifted leadership, All of those things, but the fine line between man getting the credit and God getting the credit comes down to a praying people. We pray for Him. I read in a devotional book this year that the only thing that motivates God is His own glory. And that's why I often say the only thing that motivates our prayer life is that He is worthy. And we ultimately want to wake up and pray. We want to move beyond boring, traditional, sleepy experiences in prayer, not just so we can feel creative, but so that we can be responding to His character. We can be praying from His Word. We can be doing it in the energy of His Spirit, doing it as He created us to do, but ultimately for the glory of Jesus Christ. 
And so today, the dawn of this year, I want to encourage you to stay awake and pray because your creative God awaits you. I want you to stand with me. We're going to actually read a verse together as we close that I think really is the culmination of what we've been saying today. It's at the end of one of Paul's prayers. And he makes an amazing statement that I think incorporates the fact that God wants us to wake up and pray for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know this passage well. It's one of Paul's prayers. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Would you read that aloud with me? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, that is our longing our desire, our pledge that today Jesus Christ would be glorified in His church. And and God, today we recognize that this week, this day is not even by human design, but it is Your desire to prepare us to be vessels of honor to Your name Because you said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And so, Lord, uh, we come and we confess. We have been bored. We have been lethargic. We have been neglectful. Wake us up, Lord. Let us see you in the beauty and wonder of your creation. Let us open the pages of the scripture and learn more about what it means to intimately connect with you than we've ever known before. Let us understand in a very real and tangible way the power of your spirit to birth truth and passion in us that we might know you. Let us be those creative ones that you have made us to be and let us do it for the glory of Christ. And today, Lord, the first Sunday of a new year, there's bound to be someone here who resolved to go to church. And we're grateful they've come. But, Lord, your desire is that they meet Christ. And, Lord, as Don Carson said in the video, all of biblical history and truth culminates at the cross. And even in this moment as we close, Lord, we pray for those who might be in this building today in the overflow who are here in a pursuit of a fresh start in religion, but who do not have a relationship. And you so want to transform them by the power of the cross. And so, Lord, out of the excitement of all that prayer can be, may they realize that it only begins when a sinner turns from sin and embraces Jesus. And so even in this moment of prayer, may there be that salvation moment of people claiming Christ as Savior and Lord as they turn from their sin and embrace the cross. And then, Lord, for those of us who have known you, God, we do pray truly this will be a fresh start. Not because we've heard a sermon, not because we'll read books, but because we will pray. And in the course of doing so, we will be changed. And you will be glorified. And I pray that at College Park Church, 
and into all the world, the power of the gospel will be on glorious display because of Christ and in his name. Amen.